Wow. It is so great to be here at Kirby Church this morning. That's good to be here. Yep. Welcome to my first Sunday in Michigan, and uh, we should have had shirts printed up for you guys, you know, like I survived Joe's first Sunday at Kirby or something like that. Uh, we could have got uh, Pastor Mike and, and pa- uh, Pastor Michael like pink shirts that said I, I left on Joe's first Sunday because they like left the state and Donald's leaving tonight. And so anyway, it's all good. Love those guys. And we are so thrilled to be here. I do, I do want to say uh, thank you. For allowing us to have, my family and I, to have this incredible opportunity to be a part of this amazing church staff and what God's doing here in your lives and in this, this body of believers and, uh, and hopefully to be a part of what God's going to be doing here in the future in Flat Rock and uh, the greater Detroit area and beyond as we continue uh, just to live and to serve and to follow Christ in our lives. I do want to say, though, um, I, I want to be transparent this morning. Uh, when Pastor Mike called me a couple of weeks ago and, and said he was going to be out for this wedding uh, today, immediately a message kind of came to my mind. I said, no, no problem. I'd love to speak. And I called Donald. And I said, Don, hey, this is the way I'm kind of thinking about going. And, and a few days later, I had to call him back and say, you know what, this, that's, not, that's not where God's sending me because I'm, I feel like I'm in this tornado right now, just kind of in the midst of spinning, you know, and everything's kind of up in the air, and, and, and we kind of are in flux with things. And to be quite honest, um, this has kind of been going on for us for seven months. We first met with uh, Pastor Don and Terry in Nashville when they were down in this past December uh, for a leadership conference, and so we met with them and, and just kind of begin to talk about that possibility. And um, uh, so... You know, there have been plenty of moments where we've just said, you know, we, we believe God is calling us, God is moving us in this direction, and, and yet there are those times where even in this process this past week or yesterday when I hit the Michigan State line, this thought hit the back of my brain, what are you doing, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know if it works for you that way, but when you trust God and you step out on faith, I'll never forget, I heard uh, one of my favorite pastors, Francis Chan, uh, was, was leaving his church, and somebody asked him, they said, Pastor Francis, are you 100% positive this is what God wants you to do? And he says, 100%? I don't, I don't think we can know 100%. We're not, I'm not God. Maybe 80%, you know, and, and, and so there's been plenty of times over the last couple of months, I'm like, 80%, you know, I know, yeah, I, I really feel this way, and, and then we, we struggle, and we have those moments, and, and what I've been, begin, been learning again all over in, in my life and in my faith walk with Christ is that the older I get, uh, the more challenging or the more complicated some of my faith steps become, because when I was in high school, I didn't own anything. I didn't have any money, right? I didn't, there was nothing really tying me down to say, sure, God, I'll go. You know, that wasn't a big deal. But now I've got a wife. I've got three kids, a daughter in college in Tennessee. We've got a mortgage, a house, and, you know, all this stuff. And we're just different requirement jobs and all these things that are just kind of makes it complicated. And it makes it more challenging. And so I want to kind of unpack this morning this whole thought process about faith. Because what I'm finding out, I want you to get this, is that every step of faith, it seems like for me, involves a move away from normal, what we consider to be our normal, what we get used to in being our normal, or comfortable 
into the abnormal. Now, some of you, you, you know, you're looking at your neighbor, neighbor and you're thinking, I knew they were abnormal. But, I mean, that's kind of, you know, it's, it's moving from that normal to abnormal or comfortable to uncomfortable. And, and here's what I found. In those moments where I've trusted God in my life as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower of Christ, when I truly trust God and I step out on faith, it may not always be as easy, and it's not supposed to be easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it, right? It's faith. Have you ever heard it called blind faith? Sometimes it's, you know, you can't see it. It's called trusting God. But it's in those moments when you truly trust God and you lay it on the line and you trust him and you step out on faith, those are some of the most incredible moments we'll ever live in our lives. They have been for me. They have been for me. So I want to I want to sort of just unpack this moment, this thought. I mean, here this morning. And if you're if you're on Facebook, you'd have noticed uh, a few days ago I posted. I'm going to be speaking from Matthew 14 and ask you just kind of read that, uh, just to kind of prepare your heart. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. That's where we're going to kind of sit here this morning. We're going to look at uh, several um, uh, verses in this particular passage, beginning in verse 22 uh, down through 29. Okay, 22 through 29, incredible passage here. I love to fish and hunt. I love uh, to be, you know, on boats and outdoor stuff, water skiing. So when I read this passage, I mean, this literally, this is, I love this particular story and how this goes down. Verse 22 says this, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. He'd been teaching a large crowd there, uh, using the water sort of as a natural amplifier, but he asked the disciples to get in the boat to go on across to the other side. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So the boat's out into this body of water, storm comes up, winds are, 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 are you know, up howling at gale force, and these huge waves are buffeted against the side of the boat. And it says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. I get that. I've never seen anybody walk on water, okay? Especially towards me in a storm in a boat, okay? So I get that. They said, it's a ghost, They cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, I love this, take courage, it is I. I've got this, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. And Peter gets out of this boat and he begins to walk on top of the water towards Jesus. Now, for me, that is just such an amazing story. I I love that passage of Scripture. And you need to understand a few things that are going on here in this particular story. Matthew tells us that Jesus compelled them to get into the boat. Now, we don't know why he did that. but For some reason, the the disciples weren't too excited. I don't know. you got to understand, these guys knew water. They knew the boat. A lot of them were fishermen. You know, they'd been grown up around boats and water. Maybe they knew there was an impending storm. Who knows? And and these guys, they'd been watching the Weather Channel, right? And um, so they, they they were just... You know, they didn't want to get in the boat, but Jesus compelled them. So out of obedience to Christ, their leader, right, their friend, they get into the boat out of pure obedience, and they, they, follow, they, they go out into the water. And it says that 
And, and really, you've got to picture this story as if you've never read it before. You never heard it in VBS or, or at church camp or any of those kind of things. It's like a brand new story. Think about it. It says that the, the winds were howling. The waves were buffeting against the boat. This body of water wasn't that big. It's only about three miles across. They're probably a mile out into the middle of this body of water. It's early in the morning, pre-dawn, and so uh, pre-sunlight. So we know it's probably between 3 and 6 in the morning, some of the darkest time in the morning. And it's during this moment, it's during this time that Jesus went to them in the fourth watch of the night, we're told. And it's during this moment that Peter, with the waves tormenting the boat, wet, tired, three in the morning, out in the middle of the ocean, scared to death, gets out of the boat and walks on water. Now, a lot, of, a lot of people, that when they look at this passage, they'll focus on the fact that Peter began to sink right after this, right? He, he kind of took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. But what I want you to catch is that the dude walked on water. I mean, he had enough faith to sling his leg over the side of the boat and to jump out. To me, that is just crazy faith. That is very abnormal. That is not comfortable. That's uncomfortable. And yet he is the guy who done it. Out of all the people in the, that we've ever read about, studied, or, or heard about in history, no one else has ever done this before. When you get to heaven, you're going to get to meet this water-walking guy named Peter. Unbelievable. Incredible story. And this is what he does. Now, I don't think that Matthew crafted this story for the sake of us to be risk takers. I don't think what Matthew or what Jesus is looking for is evil can evil type Christians, okay? I don't think he's looking for hand gliding, pinto driving, bungee jumping, skydiving Christian, you know, believers. I mean, some of you live on the edge and you like that kind of stuff and, and, and that's okay in some aspect, but I don't think that's what Matthew's writing here. I think what Matthew's doing is he's very carefully crafting for us the heart of a disciple, Peter's heart, the true heart of a disciple. And it's found in verse 28 when Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. A disciple is a follower of Christ. The true heart of a disciple is, God, wherever you call me, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Even if it means walking on these waves that are tossing this boat around in this body of water. The heart of a true disciple. Now, if you think about it in that aspect, what, what this passage is telling us is basically to be a disciple of Christ, according to Matthew chapter 14, means that we need to renounce comfort. Right? In the boat's comfortable. In the boat's normal. It storms away, but still in the boat. Out of the boat, walking on water is definitely not normal, Okay? And so in the, in the aspects of this passage, to be a true disciple of Christ means to lay down comfort as we know it in our society. And that is bad news because we dig comfort. We're all about comfort. Notice the chairs you're sitting in, okay? Pretty comfortable stuff, right? Matter of fact, help me out with this. Maybe you can name for me the number one uh, uh, recliner or chair in the living rooms across this country. Lazy boy, that's right. It's not risky boy chair. No, it's not a worker boy chair. Why? Because when you come home after a long day's work, you want to just relax in comfort, right? Because we're all about comfort. And we got a name for that too. If you come home and you hang out in the living room, we say we want to go home and sit in front of the TV. We just want to veg what? Veg out, right? You ever heard of that term? We want to become as much like plant form as humanly possible. 
call me a squash plant. You know, you just go, just lay there, hang out. And if you're doing that on the couch in front of the TV, we call that what? A ca- couch potato. That's right. And you're lazy boy. And that's where, that's where some of us, we love comfort, right? We're all into that. We're into comfort. Well, if you think about this particular story in Matthew chapter 14, there's 11 guys who didn't get out of the boat. And in some respect, we might call them boat potatoes. Not enough willingness, not enough trust maybe, not enough boldness to say as a heart of a disciple, Lord, if that's you, command me to come to you. That's crazy faith, but I'm going to do it. I'm gonna walk. You're walking on the water. I'm going to walk to you, Lord, as Peter did. And what I've got to ask myself this morning is July the 15th, Sunday morning across this incredible nation that we live in, are our churches full of pew potatoes or chair potatoes? People whose desire is all about what can the church give me to make me more comfortable in living my life in this crazy world that we live in rather than saying, God, where are you moving me to the abnormal or to the uncomfortable and stepping out on faith and experiencing what Peter experienced that particular day. So here's the question I want to ask you this morning. Here's the question I want you to be thinking about as we continue to unpack this, is where is God asking you to get out of the boat? Because here's the incredible thing. Jesus is still asking people to get out of the boat. Jesus is still, still looking for people to get out of the boat, to live boldly for him, to follow him, to be willing to take those risks, to step out and to follow, to walk, Christ, walk towards Jesus in whatever aspect or area that may be for you. For you, maybe it's in the area of evangelism, sharing your faith. Hey, that's tough, Right? Because here's the thing you've got to know. Every time there's that moment where you feel or you sense that God's calling you to do something, right? Typically, that that brings you down to the moment of decision. You've got to say yes or no. And the truth of the matter is, if God's calling you to do something, it doesn't matter if you say yes or no, your life will never be the same. It will never be the same. And so there's always that point of decision. Do I say yes? Do I follow? Do I go? Do I not go? Where's God asking you to get out of the boat? And typically what happens, when you make a step of faith, there's going to be some fear. There's going to be some doubt. There may be some discouragement. This week I found myself just a few days ago. Man, I, I was struggling. I was thinking about all the different Little details of the things that were going on. We need to sell our house. And quite honestly, thank you for praying for that because that's been, tons of people have been coming looking at it. We've had over 20 showings in a, in a, a like five week time period, but no offers. And I just want to slap somebody because I love my house and I think it's beautiful and, and I could bring it with me if I could, but I can't, you know? And so somebody buy it. And so I'm praying for somebody to fall in love with it and make an offer. It just hasn't happened yet. And I was focusing on those details. We don't know where we're going to live yet. We're just kind of hanging out at Mike and Terry's. But to be honest, we love them. We're friends and we want to stay friends. So that can't happen for long, right? And so, you know, we need our space and they need theirs. And, and so, you know, do we find a place to rent? Do we find a place to buy? Julie's, hey, Julie's got a job interview Tuesday. Is that cool or what? And so we're just praying through all these details. But I was Mr. Cranky Pants because I was focusing on the details and not on my Savior. And I literally, at some point in that day, man, I was so grouchy, I was so tense, I was so stressed out. God began to whisper in my ear, Joe, I've got this. I've got this. I'm calling you. I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of the details. I'm going to handle those things in my timing. Trust me. 
And I had to pray, and I had to ask God to forgive me. And then I had to go to my daughters and say, you know, I'm sorry. Sometimes dad's an idiot, and I apologize, you know, that kind of stuff. And just had to work through it. And so I don't know where it is for you, but where is God asking you to get out of the boat? If it's in the area of sharing your faith, I can understand. I can understand how difficult and where the fear comes in in those moments Matter of fact, I can remember, this has been several years ago, Julie and I uh, were serving as youth pastors in Norman, Oklahoma, and uh, we decided, we, and we, we were young parents, okay, we had a daughter who was probably at the time just two or three years old, and it was Carly, and, and so um, we weren't, you know, we, we were just bold, and we said, man, let's take these teenagers on a missions trip, and so we checked out different opportunities, we took them to inner city L.A., 1995, after the Rodney King deal that just went down and half the city burned, we said, yeah, we're going to take the kids to inner city L.A. Some of the parents thought we were crazy. Now, looking back, we were, okay? Now, if your kids are in Alabama serving this week, it's okay. God's all over them. Mine are there too. It's all right. But at that point in time, you know, I wasn't thinking, man, I was a young parent, so let's just go serve the Lord. And, and it was a great experience. We began to serve in uh, some soup kitchens, and we did a prayer walk around the city. We had some incredible ministry opportunities. And on this one particular day, it was July the 3rd, that's significant, July the 3rd, we met at a church, and we were going out with a, a pastor named Marco. He had a Hispanic ministry that he reached out to some of the worst gang-infested apartment complexes in the inner city L.A. We had 18 teenagers, okay, from south of Oklahoma City in Norman, town of about 100,000 people in inner city L.A., all right? And so we were on, you know, needles, pins and needles. We, our, our, our nerves were shot, and we're going in. We're going to meet Pastor Marco, and he's explaining all this stuff. His ministry was called Stitches. It was a children's ministry in which he would take a trailer into these apartment complexes. The trailer had a side that dropped down. It made a stage. He had a, a generator, a sound system. He'd do a blue tarp for the boys, red tarp for the girls. They'd sing songs, have puppet ministry, and share Christ with these little boys and girls. It was an incredible ministry. And so we went into this apartment complex and we began to set up. And my teenagers, some of them were helping set up. This isn't an actual picture, but this is a Stitches ministry in another area. And so they were helping to set up the stage and the, the, the trailer. Some of the other teens went with some adults to knock on doors and tell them that Stitches were here and invite the kids to come out. And all of a sudden, I heard, pow, 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 pow. And my first thought was gun, gunfire, right? Gunshots, inner city L.A., you know, I turned and I saw Jason, one of our teenagers, high schooler, diving on the floor in the trailer for cover, like this. Two others were diving behind the trailer, you know, on the ground, in the dirt, just diving for whatever. I turned and I saw a group of teenagers standing by the edge of one of the apartment buildings. July 3rd, they were shooting bottle rockets at the trailer, inside the trailer, at our young people sitting up, throwing firecrackers, shooting bottle rockets, right? And I'm thinking, at least it's just fireworks, you know, but still, it's a gang, you know? Pastor Marco comes over to me, and he says, Joe, you see the gang? I said, oh, hard to miss them. They're shooting bottle rockets at my kids, you know? And uh, he said, well, here's the deal. I'm going to have to go over and talk with them and ask them to leave. And to do that, I, I will need to challenge the toughest gang member there to a fight to earn the right to speak on their turf, because this is their turf. This is their area. He said, come go with me. <laughs> Dude, you're crazy. He turned, and he goes to talk to these gang members, you know. I'm like, I don't know Spanish, and you're on your own. No, I tried to follow a little bit, but I stayed 10 or 15 feet behind because I knew if I had a little bit of a head start, I could outrun him, right? And so he goes, and he talks to these gang members, 
And Pastor Marco turns and he comes back over to me and he says, well, good news, they didn't take the challenge today. They've given me permission, they're leaving, they've given me permission to share Christ with these boys and girls. One of our teenagers, a little bit later on, her name was Shauna, she's now a pastor's wife in Oklahoma, she was a teenager at the time, led a little girl to Christ on the little red mat because Marco was willing to get out of the boat and do something so incredible that most of us think, man, that is nuts. That is, he was so uncomfortable, out of our comfort zone, right? He was so abnormal. It was so crazy what he did. Now, here's my question. Where's God asking you to get out of the boat with your friends, with your coworkers, with the students, your friends at school that, that you go to school with, to invite them to church, to share with them what God's doing in your life, to share your testimony, Maybe to have a word of prayer with them or, or, or to, to fix a meal for somebody in some way to share your faith, to live it out loud. Maybe for you it's in the area of finances. I know that uh, finances is a, a difficult area for a lot of people. And, and I tell you what I'd like for you to do, just to help me out here this morning as an object lesson, I'd like for you to take out your wallet, checkbook, or if you have a debit card or, or a cash, whatever, just I want you to hold that in your hand for just a second. Just kind of hold it up for me, okay? Or take a second, please, if you don't mind, just do this for me, because I want you to understand this point very carefully. God may be asking you to get out of the boat in the area of finances, in the area of your money. Just kind of hold it up. Everybody got something here? Okay, you've got this. In this country, we live in one of the most affluent nations on the planet. You realize that, right? We live on one of the most affluent nations of the planet. We are so blessed. And in this nation, unfortunately, what's happened is this has become God or an idol or mammon to a lot of people. And here's the deal. God doesn't need your money, guys. God is calling us to step out on faith and to trust him and understanding biblically that everything you have is a blessing from God. It's his. You're called to be a steward. And God wants followers of Christ who are givers not tightwads. That's just it. I mean, that's it. That's where it lies. And so as an act of obedience and love, and for the sake of my illustration this morning, would you help me? Would you just hand that to your neighbor, your wallet, your checkbook, or cash? Just for a second, just hand it to him, okay? Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to take up an offering, okay? All right? I'm just teasing. We're not going to do that. Give it back. Give it back. Don't keep it. But you see, that was tough. Some of you didn't even want to pull it out for the illustration. Talk about getting out of the boat. You couldn't pull it out of your pocket. It was tough, okay? So here's the deal. Everything you have is God's. God's calling you to be a steward. For some of you, that's getting out of the boat. Maybe it's in the area of relationships. And like you, or like me, three days ago, you need to apologize to your kids for blowing it. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with a neighbor. Maybe it's with a parent or a family member or an old friend and you need to sit down and write a letter. It wasn't your fault, but you still need to apologize because relationships are so important in this world, in this life that we're living as we follow Christ. Maybe it's in the area of ministry and God's calling you to serve. And you've been, you know, you've been sensing this call, you've read it in the bulletin, or you've seen it somewhere, God's calling you to serve on a missions trip, or he's calling you to, to, to be active, involved in the nursery, or help out with youth ministry, or VBS that's coming up, whatever it might be, and you're like, you know, I can't do that. Those doubts and those fears come. And God's just saying, come, step out of the boat. Trust me. A few days ago, I wrote, um, I posted a, a Twitter, and 
I posted it on the Kirby Facebook page and on my Facebook page, just this statement. I want you to check this out. I, I asked this question. I said, in preparation for my message Sunday, would you please answer this? What has been one of the biggest steps of faith you've taken in your faith journey? I'd love to hear from you. And the responses I got were unbelievable. I want to share some of those with you because it might help you understand where you are in your faith journey, where God's asking you to get out of the boat. I had one response, uh, Debbie, a friend of ours, she wrote this. She said, for me, my faith, step of faith right now, the toughest one has been to reaffirm my belief in eternity, in heaven, in everything. After my mom died three months ago, tomorrow. Maybe that's where you're at. Heather wrote this. She said, to trust God knew best when I couldn't have children. But I put it all in his hands. And he blessed us. He gave us baby Braden through adoption. Abnormal. Uncomfortable. Right? Step of faith. My friend and my former boss, Clint Morgan, he wrote this. He said, submitting to the powerful moving of God's spirit during a Bible college campus revival in the fall of 1970, I can only imagine what my life would be like if it wouldn't have happened, if I wouldn't have listened to God. Clint went on. He served from 1970 on in the mission field in Africa and in France, and he now serves as uh, our general director for international missions. Margaret, uh, a lady that Julie used to work with, she wrote this on there. She said, for us, our step of faith was leaving our church of 20 years. Uncomfortable, right? And going to help in a mission church, a church plant. Taking our children out of a large youth group and taking them to a church where there are very few youth. Heather, another Heather, wrote this. She said, going on a missions trip to Costa Rica while suffering and trying to overcome severe anxiety. I knew God wanted me to go, and I knew I had to, but I didn't necessarily want to go. It was a huge step of faith, and God certainly showed up big. Anthony, one of my friends from college, wrote this. I can't imagine this, but he said, for him, his step of faith was going to serve as a missionary in Spain when he had never set foot in that country before. Ever. Like Peter, who'd never walked on water. But he got out of the boat, and he went, and he's still serving there today with his family. Lynn, one of our friends from Missouri, wrote this. She said, leaving a stable job. Maybe some of you can relate to this. I had insurance. I had stable, consistent income, retirement with paid summers off. And my job was right here in the town I lived in. I changed to traveling every day out of town. No insurance. And if my clients showed up, I'd get paid. Otherwise, no money. I now, I've now been there for three years in August and have discovered that this is my ministry. God has provided and not one payment's been missed. The blessings of following his will have more than compensated any losses. He's an awesome God. Isn't that cool? That's just amazing to me. Now, Fred wrote this one. Dad, how many dads do we have in here? Dad, dads of daughters. How about that one? Because, I mean, that's me. I can relate to that. I don't have a son yet. Uh, yet. Did you catch that, Jill? Sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, watching my 22-year-old daughter, Fred wrote this. I know his daughter, Kirsten. Um, he said, watching my 22-year-old daughter, Kirsten, walk through security to board a plane to the Czech Republic to answer God's call of becoming a missionary. I want to hear. Without hugging my daughter. The only thing that got me through each day was my faith in God and knowing that he was holding her hand in this journey. Kirsten is home now, but check out what he wrote. She's home for a few weeks, but she leaves in August again for another year.
faith of a daddy, right? And then Winter, one of, my, one of our friends in, in Missouri, she was in our church. Winter happened to be the mom of a, uh, an incredible little three-year-old boy who died tragically uh, in July, a few years back. And uh, was one of the first funerals that I performed in that church as pastor. Look at what she wrote. For her, her big step of faith. After losing Weston, my toughest step of faith was allowing my children to experience this amazing life without the fears of a mom who is terrified beyond imagination every day. That something else might happen to take one of them from me. I'll take that faith journey every day for the rest of my life to ensure that I don't hold them back from all of the amazing and awesome things God has to offer them in their lives. I won't miss the opportunity to take a step of faith and walk on water towards my Savior to get out of the boat. Where's God asking you to get out of the boat? Where's he challenging you? For you, it literally may be this morning that you're sitting here and you're thinking, I am so far from God. God cannot love me. He cannot forgive me. And for you, that's your fear. That's a lie that you're believing because I want you to know the God of this universe sent his son, his only son for you, just like he did for me. And you have not sinned more than he can handle. His grace is sufficient. His mercy and His love is everlasting. And He wants to pour it out on you. And I want you to know there's no feeling in the world that when you first take that step of faith out of the boat and you lay that all at the cross of Christ and you let Him take that. And maybe that's where you're, you are this morning. Maybe for you it's taking a step of faith and becoming involved, joining, joining Kirby Church and being a part of that. Maybe you need to take the step of faith and be baptized. Maybe it's in the area of relationships or sharing your faith, or getting involved in ministry, God may be calling some of you right here, like he did Clint Morgan in 1970, to step out on faith and go on the mission field, like Kirsten is. Some of you may be daddies holding your kids back, and your step of faith is to trust God in taking care of them. I don't know what it is for you, but God knows. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning to get out of the boat, to follow him and to trust him. Let me pray for you. God, we are blown away and amazed at the faith of Peter. And Lord, I want to admit that so many times in my life I'm afraid that I've been like the other disciples.